Good day, everyone. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books, not just one scripture of the Bible. And I will be sharing commentary with you while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Hi, Saints. I hope today is finding all of you well in the midst of all of this chaos going on in this world today. I will talk about that at the very end of this particular episode. This is episode number two of a three-part series entitled, The Letter to the Hebrews. Now, for those of you who are joining for the first time, if you want to catch up, you need to go to one of my podcasts and listen to episode one. However, I will share that we do not know who the author of the letter to the Hebrews is. All we know, it is one of the apostles, but they did not name themselves. Now we know it was one of the apostles because their writings is consistent with all of the other writings of the other apostles who wrote letters or epistles to churches in the New Testament. So we will cover chapters 5 through 8 today and we'll close out this series next Saturday. So we ended last week at the tail end of chapter 4 talking about Jesus being our high priest under the new covenant after the order of Melchizedek meaning there is no end to the priesthood of Jesus. And I am still teaching from the New International Version, which is the NIV. It doesn't matter which version, version you have. At the end of the day, we will be in the same place. I can guarantee you that. Now, for those of you who don't know, I am reading the entire letter to the Hebrews. This is learning Bible truth, and you cannot learn Bible truth with me just reading one scripture and then going off into another stratosphere, uh, talking about something else off of one scripture. No, the way you learn Bible truth is reading entire letters. Now, if you have read any of the Apostle Paul's letter, especially the letters he wrote to the churches in Galatia. He told them, read these entire epistles. And there is a slight difference between epistles and letters. Letters are particularly written to one person or a particular group of people in mind. But epistles are written to anyone, anyone who has an ear to hear. Um, epistles are written to. Okay. So with that said, we are in chapter five and I am reading at verse one. 
every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Verse 2, he is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. Verse 3, this is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins. Now, the writer is talking about, he's, he's talking to Hebrews, uh, Jewish people, about the priesthood under the Levitical priesthood, okay? He's talking about them. They die. They are sinners. When they go into the Holy of Holies, uh, the place in the uh, temple behind the veil, they first offer up animal sacrifices for themselves. I'm sorry, I was distracted for a second, trying to fix something at the same time. I think I can multitask while teaching. But they offer sins for themselves before they offer sins for the people. Now, verse 3 tells us this. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. Verse 4. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when God, when, when called by God, just as Aaron was. So what we're talking about here is that priest back then under the old covenant. Okay, let's make that clear. Were called by God to be a priest. They didn't just walk up and say, I'm going to be a priest. They were called by God. Now, Aaron, who was Moses's brother was the first high priest, okay, under the Levitical priesthood, Levi. That's who the children of Israel paid tithes to, Levi, under the Levitical priesthood, okay? Verse 5, in the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Verse 6. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now Melchizedek was a high priest in the Old Testament who just came from nowhere. He did not have a lineage. He, we don't know where he came from. He just popped up and, and Abraham, Father Abraham, paid tithes of the spoils to him. The spoils were items left over from war. Okay. And Melchizedek, and, and Melchizedek just showed up and Abraham just paid a tenth of the spoils to Melchizedek. Now, let's be clear. Jesus is not being compared to Melchizedek. Melchizedek is being compared to Jesus. See, there is no end to his priesthood. So right here in, in Hebrews is talking about no end to the priesthood of Jesus. Now, the Levitical priesthood and the priesthood of Melchizedek were not the same. Melchizedek was a priest outside of the law. So Jesus is being compared or, or Melchizedek is being compared to that, to Jesus's priesthood, which was outside of the law. Okay. Um, we're going to share more about that as we move forward. Uh, verse six again. And he says in another place, 
You are a priest talking about God says you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Verse seven, during the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. Oh, yes. Jesus cried with tears for, 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 for Jerusalem. OK, to the one who could save him from death, God, directly to God. And as he was heard because of his fervent submission, verse eight, son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Verse nine. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all. Underline that word all for all who obey him. Verse 10 and was designated by God to to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And this is not under the law. Jesus is a, our high priest forever in the same order of Melchizedek, but under grace, not under the law, under grace. OK, uh, now let's go to verse 11. We have much to say about this. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. He's talking about the Jews who were because Jesus had not returned yet a second time who were thinking about going back or, or switching back over to Judaism. OK, and the writer to the Hebrews is telling them that. We have much to say about this. Let's read this again because I want the scriptures to speak to you. But it is hard to make it make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. They were not trying to understand who Jesus was and what he did. He had released them or shall I say delivered them from following the law. Because the law of Moses was about physical prosperity. OK, about earthly things. But grace is about heavenly things. Jesus delivered us Gentiles as well, as well as the Jews from the works of the law. The law was never given to Gentiles. So we were never under that. We were ushered in directly under the new covenant. And that's why Hebrews is so important today. It is the most important letter that an apostle wrote in the New Testament. And it is the least read in the body of Christ today. It's the least read. Oh, but God commissioned me to tell the truth. And I'm going to tell the truth until I die. Okay, that's why we see the things we are seeing going on in the world today is a direct result of the church not preaching the truth, not preaching Jesus. Okay, and I don't want to get sidetracked and I don't want to digress because some things I heard before I started this podcast just now still got me stirred up. Okay, so let me try to stick with these scriptures. Let's uh, read verse 11 again. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Uh, verse 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk. Now, when they say you need milk is referring to them still being children, not solid food. Solid food represents meat. OK, the righteousness of God's word. 
They had already told them about Jesus and him crucified. And now they turning away from spiritual growth in the word of God, which is in Christ, trying to go back to Judaism, which required you to follow rituals and man's tradition, which is what Christ released us from. And now the writer to the Hebrews, look, is saying, you guys are still babies. I told you about Christ and him crucified. And now I still have to tell you that again. You are not growing spiritually. Now let's go to verse 13. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. My Lord, my Lord, we are still experiencing this today. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good from evil. Oh, listen to this. Listen to this verse 14 again, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And that's what we are seeing today. People no longer know the difference between good, good and evil. They have strayed away from righteousness. They have strayed away from the truth of God's word. Now I'm talking about Christians, so-called children of God, so-called believers. Now, just because someone says they are Christian people doesn't mean that they are. Y'all remember when I, I read um, the, the, the first, second and third letters of, of the apostle John, also known as John the Revelator. He talked about how to identify Christians, but yet that's not taught in the church because these Satan ministers who are in the pulpit doesn't want you to know that you ain't saved. He doesn't want you to know that everybody in the church evil. We have churches with 30 and 40 and 50,000 members and still not telling people they need Jesus to be saved. Instead, bring me your money. Oh, prosperity, money coming, money coming. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. Now let's go into chapter six. I have a lot more to say at the very end of this, this episode. Verse one, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Verse two, instruction about cleansing rites. That's what they were arguing about. The laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Verse three, and God permitting, we will do so. He's not telling you to leave um, the gospel. What he's saying is we should be past this point now and we should continue to grow spiritually. Okay. Um, verse two, again, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Verse three, and God permitting, we will do so. Verse four, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened. Now, before I read this, let, 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 let me tell you, there is an argument in the body of Christ amongst ministers. I re moved myself from the argument. I'm sticking with scripture, whether or not a person can be saved and lost. 
No, you cannot be saved and lost. Okay, we're getting ready to delve into this uh, from verse 4 through ver verses 6. But you can forfeit your salvation. Okay, because you don't have patience. Because you are walking by sight and not by faith. And the Bible clearly tells us, and we are going to go through this in the book of Hebrews, which is why it is so important that we read the entire letter of Hebrews to the church today. You can give up your salvation. Okay. Yes, that's possible because it's taught here. I'm getting ready to read these scriptures. Now, listen. Now. Let me let, let, let me lay this, this, this ground or this foundation before we read these scriptures. Now, this section here where the writer was talking about them still being infants, still drinking milk, should be beyond repentance and Christ crucified. And they should be growing in faith by eating solid food, which is meat. What he's telling them now is when you turn away from Christ. There is no salvation. And this is for every man. Okay. Every man, not just the body of Christ. If, when, if, and if, if, and when you turn away from Christ, there is no salvation for you and it will be impossible to bring you back. Okay. Now let, let's read this so that you can let the scripture speak to you. I don't know why there is an argument in the body of Christ because it's right here. And I'm talking about bishops that I know and love, uh, been, been listening to and, 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 you know, listening to their teachings for 30 years is saying they never read this though. Oh, you cannot be saved and lost. No, no man can pluck you out of my hands, said Jesus. And no man can pluck you out of my father's hands. I and my father are one. That's what Jesus said. He said, no one can take you from me, but he never said you can't walk away. Oh, you missed that. He never said you can't walk away. So let's read. Here's verse four. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, meaning told about the gospel, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit ain't resided in you if you ain't receiving him. Okay. Who have shared in the Holy Spirit, verse 5, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, verse 6, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. The writer says, let me read it again. I'm going to read verses 4, 5, and 6 again. Verse 4, it is impossible, impossible for those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift. That's the gift of salvation, which is grace, God's grace, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, verse five, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, verse six, and who have fallen away, meaning turned away from Jesus to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Oh, we talk and preach about the power of grace and the power of God's salvation. And then all of a sudden, the person who used to be praising Jesus 
praising the Lord, praising his son. And then they turn away and go to Judaism or they become a Muslim or they become a new Israelite, a black Hebrew Israelite, putting Jesus to public shame. That's what this is talking about. Now listen, verse seven. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is from. It, I'm sorry, for those to whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. I'm going to explain that to you in a few. Verse eight. But the land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Now, what is the writer talking about? What he did, this illustration, it, it, it depicts the condemnation of those who turn away from Jesus Christ. Okay. And verse nine through 12, um, going to talk about, you know, the, here's the thing, verse nine through 12, the writer expresses confidence that his readers will remain steadfast. Therefore, you know, uh, tempering his harsh warning with warm encouragement. He's encouraging the readers to make sure they stay with, G with Jesus because there is no more savior after Jesus. God is not changing. There is no more savior. Now let's read verse nine. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, see, he's getting ready to encourage them. We are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation. Verse 10. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. He's saying God is not unjust to forget you. He sees what you are doing in his son Christ. In the name of Jesus. He hasn't turned his back on you. See, some of them were being persecuted. Okay. For following Christ. And some of them were being threatened that they need to turn back to the laws of Moses. To it, Look, in order to be saved, you won't find a scripture in this Bible that tells you that following the laws of Moses can get you saved. It's not in here because the laws were in place temporarily until grace came. We are under, under the dispensation of grace and people are not being told this. We have people who in some of these denominations... They don't have all of the laws or traditions or rituals uh, of, of Moses in them, but they practice some of them. If you are practicing any, any inkling of the law and, and attaching it to God's salvation plan, I'm telling you, and Hebrews is telling you, you are not saved. You are not saved because the laws of Moses could not save. And those who are listening for the first time, you need to go back to episode one where I talk about um, how if the laws of Moses could save or if um, the covenant that God made with Moses and the children of Israel could save. Why did we need a new one? Why do we need a new covenant? If the old one was sufficient, why do we need a new one? Oh, and that's some more uh, information about that is com coming up. Let me read verse, uh, pick up on verse 10 again. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Verse 11. We want each of you 
to show this same diligence to the very end. You got to hang in there. Those that endure until the end shall be saved. I'm not going anywhere. Where else can we go? Jesus has the words of eternal life. So where else can we go? Um, tail end of um, verse 11. So that what you hope, hope for may be fully realized. Verse 12. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Now, salvation have been promised to us. Okay. So now we are getting ready to talk about some of the uh, great soldiers of faith in the Old Testament as examples. Verse 13, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. Verse 14, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. Verse 15, and so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. What was promised to Abraham? A son by him and his wife, Sarah. They were of age in their 90s. And God promised them to have a son, Isaac. And they had it. But Abraham believed God. That's the difference. Abraham believed God. So we have to stand fast on the promises of God by believing that his son, Jesus, died for our sins on that cross. Was buried three days and three nights. So that, and look, and rose again on that third day so that we can have salvation. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Verse 16, it gets deeper, folks. So hold on to your chair. It gets deeper. People swear by someone greater than themselves. And the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Verse 17, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. He never made an oath to Moses. Y'all didn't know that, but he made an oath concerning his son, Jesus. Um, verse 18, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Now, this is where we get deep and spiritual. Okay, because the curtain. Uh, wait, 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 wait. I'm not going to jump ahead of myself. Let's read these scriptures. Let's read these scriptures. Um. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. That's the tail end of, of verse 19. Now we're going into verse 20 where our forerunner who is Jesus has entered on our behalf. Oh, 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 it's getting spiritual. Y'all. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Okay. Now, what did we, did, did we just hear? What did we just hear? Now, first, let me tell you what an anchor is. An anchor is only as secure as the thing it is attached to. So we have to attach ourselves to Jesus here. Now, that's very important now. Um, going back to verse 18, God's confirmation of his promise by his oath and, and, and covenant removes all doubt about its certainty. Okay. He tied an oath 
to our salvation plan through his son. That removes all the doubt. And we have to fasten ourselves or tie ourselves to Jesus in order for that promise to come, come through for us. And we can't waver. Don't give up. I don't care about the persecution. You shouldn't care about the persecution. What you need to focus on is that God cannot lie. Didn't we just read that? Didn't we just read that? God cannot lie. And those that endure until the end shall be saved. And we should never, before we go into chapter seven, we should never forget that God made a promise to us that we shall be saved. We shall be given eternal life. He did away with the old covenant, ushered in a new and better covenant in his son or through his son, Jesus, through his blood, through his blood. And we need to hold fast to that. Okay. Now let's go to chapter seven. Oh, verse one. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God most high. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. Remember I told you Abraham um, had just defeated uh, the kings. I forgot uh, which which, uh, nation that was. And Melchizedek just showed up and Abraham paid him a tenth of the spoils in the NIV. It says uh, plunder. Um, But in the New King James and the King James, it says spoils. Those are items left over from from war. If uh, someone had a shield or a sword or a money bag or a pouch, you know, or food, you know, that those items were considered to be spoils. Abraham and his 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 soldiers and his army took those spoils and he gave Melchizedek a tenth of it. Food, shields, swords, didn't matter what it was. Could have been somebody's wallet, somebody's shoes, you know. Um, where are we? Verse two. Well, let, let, let's read it again. Verse one, this Melchizedek was king of Salem. That's who Melchizedek was and priest of God most high. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the Kings and blessed him. Verse two. And Abraham gave him a 10th of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem means king of peace. Melchizedek was king of peace. Uh, Verse three, without father or mother. Remember I told you he didn't have a genealogy. Verse three tells us that without father or mother and without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the son of God, he remains a priest forever. Remember I told you Jesus is not compared to Melchizedek. Melchizedek is compared to, to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You see where it says right here remains a priest forever. And it says, uh, uh, without beginning of days or end of life, meaning we don't know where he came from. We just know that he was from the most high God. And then it says resembling the son of God. He was not Jesus because there's this age old teaching out there that Melchizedek was Jesus back in the old Testament before he put on flesh and came, uh, to this earth through Mary's womb as a baby and then grew up uh, into a man. Now, but he wasn't. This makes it very clear. 
It says resembling the son of God. So we don't know who Melchizedek was. And guess what? If God wanted us to know exactly who he was, he would have told us. So stop trying to figure that out. Okay. I'm talking to these other ministers out here who are going above, above and beyond the scriptures. Okay. Stop trying to figure this out. He remains a priest forever. Verse four, just think how great he was. Even the patriot Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. That is a tenth of the spoils. Okay. Left over from war. Verse five. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tent from the people. I explained this to you earlier that the children of Israel paid tithe to the um, Levitical priesthood. Okay. Which was Levite Levite. And that was the tribe of Levite. And that's what a Levitical priesthood come from. They paid this right here. This is what this is saying. Verse five. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tent from the people that was under the law. That is from their fellow Israelites. I just told you the children of Israel who were the Israelites paid a tenth, uh, meaning a, a, a tithe to the Levitical priesthood, the priesthood of Levi, even though they are, or let's, let me say that again, even though they also are decent are descendant from Abraham. Verse six, this man talking about uh, Melchizedek, however, did not trace his, his descent from Levi. Melchizedek was not from the priesthood of Levi. The priesthood of Levi was under the law. Okay. Melchizedek was not. So what we are getting to is that Jesus is not, was not under the law. Okay. The priesthood of Jesus after the order of Melchizedek is not under the Levitical priesthood. And this is going to lead us ultimately to why God did away with the priesthood. And then you're going to wonder why are priests in the church, the Catholic religion. Okay. When the letter to the Hebrews tells us that God made the Levitical priesthood obsolete. It's coming. Here we go. Verse six again. This man, however, did not trace his, de his descent from Levi. Yet he collected a tent from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Talking about Abraham. Verse seven. And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. The lesser is Abraham. The greater is Melchizedek. Okay. Verse eight. In the one case, the tent is collected by people who die. Now, right here, talking about the Levitical priesthood, all of them died. Yeah, because they were just mere men, mere mortals. They were just men. So they all died. So why is, 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 is verse eight talking about the Levitical priesthood dying? Because it's trying to establish who Jesus is. Jesus is alive. He is our high priest after the order of Melchizedek, meaning he never dies. He is our priest forever. Okay. And remember, we just, just read in verse eight. Let, let's read it again. In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die in that one case. By people who died was the Levitical priesthood. All of them died, including Aaron and, and including Levi himself. Okay. But in the other case, talking about 
the new cup, the new covenant with Jesus being our high priest by him who is declared to be living. Verse nine, one might even say that Levi who collects the tent paid the tent through Abraham Verse 10, because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor, meaning Levi wasn't even born yet. Meaning when Abraham paid the tithe to Melchizedek and we got to remember the Levitical priesthood wasn't established until Levi became um, a priest. What he is saying is. Abraham paid tithe before Levi even came, so he's not he didn't pay tithe under the law. He didn't pay tithe under the law. That was under grace. Okay, listen now. Verse 10, because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. Uh-huh. Levi wasn't even born yet. That's, that's what that is saying. Verse 11, if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood and indeed the law given to the people established that pre. Uh, wait, establish that priesthood. Why was there still need for another priest to come? What we are saying is the, the, the Levitical priesthood uh, really couldn't make anyone perfect. Couldn't establish salvation. It was temporary until our permanent priest came. Ooh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Follow me now. Listen to this because I don't want you deceived. One of the reasons I am so passionate about teaching the word of God is because I was deceived in a traditional Baptist church. Never even told me who Jesus was. How can you be baptized? I was baptized and wasn't even told why I was being baptized. Never even told me that I needed to, to confess Christ as Lord and Savior and believe it in my heart that God raised him from the dead, meaning that he is alive and well today. Never even told me that. I came out of the water just, just like I went in, was still a dying sinner. Oh, but God know how to put people in your path to tell you the truth. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And because this is so important, let me reread verse 11. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come? Why? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. Aaron's priesthood, which was tied to the Levitical priesthood, was under the law. Now, right here is telling you, Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. Praise God for his word. Verse 12. For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. Did y'all hear that? No, I don't think y'all got that. I don't think y'all got that. Verse 12, for when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. Verse 13, he of whom these things are said belong to a different tribe. Talking about Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus belonged to the tribe of Judah, not the tribe of Levite. Okay. And no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. What tribe? The tribe of Judah. See, that wasn't under the law. Jesus, Jesus, the tribe Jesus come from is not of the tribe of Levi, where the Levitical priesthood come from. See right here that verses 12 and 13 and 14 is trying to tell you 
that when Jesus became our high priest, it was not under the law. Oh, I hope y'all are getting something from this because it's blessing me, even though I studied it already, it is blessing me as I read it. Verse 14, for it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. That's the tribe Judah came from, the tribe of Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priest. There was no priest in the, in the tribe of Judah because the tribe of Judah was not associated with the law. Oh, do, do y'all hear this? Do y'all hear this? Those of you who are in these denominations who are trying to establish some of the laws of Moses for you to follow. I suggest you better get out of that church because your salvation is worth more than that denomination. Okay. Verse 15. And what we have said is even more clear. If another priest like Melchizedek appears, verse 16, one who has become a priest, not on the basis of a regulation talking about the law as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. Verse 17, for it is for it is declared you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. God made that statement. It is declared. Let me talk a little bit about that. Now, the Greek word here for another is not alas, okay, which is A-L-L-O-S. It's not that. And that means uh, another of the same kind. But um, what we are talking about here is, is, is Hetaris. This is an, uh, another of a totally different order. The pre the priesthood of Christ of Christ supersedes the Levitical priesthood. That is the importance of this. When we are talking about verses, uh, 15, 16 and 17, the priesthood of Christ supersedes the Levitical priesthood. Hmm. Hmm. What does supersede means? It means take the place of, okay? The priesthood of Christ takes the place of the, the Levitical priesthood. And I ask you again, why does the Catholic religion, because that's all it is, is a religion, have priests in it? And the majority of the priests, yeah, I'm going to say it, are pedophiles. And this has been perpetuated throughout the Catholic history. They have been harboring and taking care and hiding and, and, and taking up for pedophiles in the church because God didn't set the priest there. The priesthood of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, he is our only high priest, supersedes, meaning takes the place of the Levitical priesthood. But we have people still fighting against God, just like the children of Israel did. When God sent Moses to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians who had enslaved the children of Israel for 430 years, they still rebelled against God even after he delivered them. And they doing it today. We have priests. They are not Jews, but we have people disregarding the word of God. The letter to the Hebrews is clear. Disregarding the word of God. And have priests set up in the church. But you, you, I want y'all to think about this. You won't find a priest in the body of Christ. Because they know better to put a priest in there. Jesus is our high priest. Jesus, when Christ died on that cross, the veil in the temple where the priest used to go 
to sacrifice, to, to offer animal sacrifices for himself first, then the people, was torn in two from top to bottom. Okay, so that we can go directly to the throne of grace ourselves. We don't have to meet someone in a booth we don't know nothing about who is a sinner who's offering animal sacrifices for himself. How can we confess our sins to a sinner in order for it to get to God? No, Jesus made it so we can go directly to God. We don't need no intercessor. Jesus intercedes on our behalf. That's another teaching. But you need to know that here, he is our high priest. He intercedes on our behalf as he sits on the right hand of God at the throne. Whenever the devil, com the devil comes and goes to God, because the devil is also known as our accuser, and start accusing us. Now, you can't, he ain't accusing us for doing nothing right. Jesus steps in and said, that's one of mine, saved by grace. Hallelujah. That's one of mine. They are saved by grace and God doesn't even hear the devil. So let me tell you something. You can play around with religion if you want to. Jesus Christ is not a religion. He's our way out of religion. You understand me? And I will say this one last time before we move on to verse 18. The priesthood of Christ supersedes the Levitical priesthood. Okay. Now let's pick up at verse 18. The former regulation is set aside. Do you hear this? The former regulation is the law. It's set aside because it was weak and useless. People still sinned. They still had a consciousness of sin. Now, let me tell you a secret. The reason the, the uh, priest had to go into the um, Holy of Holies, into the temple behind the veil, to offer up sacrifices for his sins and the people's, is because he wanted to remind people of their sins. Okay? Not take away the sins. See, the blood of Christ cleanses you from your sins. But the law, animals, sac animal sacrifices couldn't cleanse you from your sins. It only reminds you of them. And the priest only went behind that veil once a year. Once a year. Verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect. Do you hear me? Oh, for the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced. By which we draw near to God. The better hope is Jesus. Oh Lord have mercy. The, the letter to the Hebrews need to be read in its entirety throughout every church. Now don't get me wrong. Some of them are. Some of them are teaching the truth. Not all of them are, are false teachers. Not all of them are fake churches of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them are teaching the truth. Okay verse 20. And it was not without an oath. You hear me? Oh, that, that, that better hope, it was introduced to us and it was not without an oath. See, God made an oath. See, God doesn't change his mind. Man does. I don't know if y'all heard, uh, this happened about maybe six, seven months ago, where the Pope uh, <laughs> made a comment about they was going to change the Lord's Prayer. You don't have authority to do that. How are you going to change the Lord's Prayer, you false teachers? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Verse 20 again, and it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath. Talking about the Levitical priesthood, they became priests without an oath. Okay, verse 21. But he became, that he is Jesus, became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. 
You are a priest forever. That's who our high priest is, Jesus Christ, forever. There is no more. There is not another redemption plan. There's not another salvation plan. This is it. This is it, folks. It's either Jesus or, or hell. I, and, and, and I can't put it more, uh, any more simple than that. It's, it's either Jesus or hell. That's it. Verse 22. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor, okay, of a better covenant. Oh, I hope y'all didn't miss that. I don't want to repeat it, but I want to make sure y'all don't miss that. Verse 23. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, meaning those priests died while in office. Death prevented them from continuing in office. Okay, verse 24. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Verse 25. Oh, I love the NIV. Tell it like it is NIV. Verse 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Not outside of him. This is important. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. Didn't I just tell you a few minutes ago how Jesus inter intercedes for us on our behalf? Send your prayers up. You don't pray to Mary. Mary is no different from uh, me and any other woman. Mary dead. She's sleeping Jesus. She's dead just like my mother. Sleep in Jesus. We can't pray to a dead person. I can't pray to my mother uh, to ask her to go to God. That's not how God set his system up. We have to stop creating this, 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 this picture of God, a personal picture of God, our own personal God, and bringing him down to our level of experiences. We have to stop doing that. It won't benefit you. You won't grow spiritually. Okay? Verse 26. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. See, that's what Christ is. See, the, the, the Levitical priest had to go into a temple, a building. Christ is already in heaven. You know, we don't have to go behind no veil. He doesn't have to go behind the veil. He is the veil. Oh, I said something there. See, that's the spiritual part. I wanted to, to just slip it in there on you. Christ is the veil. OK, he made it where we can go to the throne of grace with boldness. OK. Talk to God as if he's sitting next to you because he is. Remember, Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He is right here. He is right there in your midst. Whenever there's a time of trouble, he is right there. Talk to him. You don't have to go and sit and confess nothing in a confessional. And because the government, which is led by Satan, is telling you freedom of religion, you can believe in a tree if you want to, if you let our government tell you. Freedom of religion. You can believe in dirt. Do you know there are people who worship nature? Well, let's see if nature can get you into heaven. See, see, see if that happens for you. See, the issue is what's going to happen to your spirit after it leaves your body. Not while you're here. You can love nature, but you shouldn't worship it. Be careful what you listen to in these churches here. Not all of them are teaching you the truth. Not all of them are teaching you the truth. Verse 27, unlike the other high priest, 
He does not need to offer sacrifices. Did you? Jesus. He doesn't need to offer sacrifices. The other high priest under Levitical priesthood under the old covenant used to bring animal sacrifices, goats and calves. Okay. First to offer a sacrifice for their own sins. Didn't we just read in verse 26 that uh, such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. He didn't have to offer a sacrifice for his sins. He is the sacrifice. Verse 27, unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He, talking about Jesus, sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus is our sacrifice. He offered himself once and for all for the people. Anyone who comes to Jesus can be saved. Oh, that ground is leveled. Salvation is no longer of the Jews. It is for everyone, including us Gentiles. We were not included in the law and that was temporary, but in God's permanent redemptive plan, he included the Gentiles. And for those of you who don't know, Gentiles are anyone who is not a Jew. Anyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile. Okay. So that's us. Only the Jews were given the laws of Moses, not us. We are under a new and better covenant where our sins are removed. They are not covered for a year like the Levitical priesthood did. They took animal blood and, and, and the sins of the priest and the people were covered for one year. And it was only a reminder of their sins. The law told them what sin was. So they knew they sinned. It, it covered unintentional sins and your intentional sins. Okay. Now, um, verse 28 for the law appoints as high priest men in all their weaknesses, but the oath which came after the law, my Lord appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. The oath came after the law. There was no oath in the law. There was no oath in the law guaranteeing your salvation. None. Why isn't this being taught in the churches? As a matter of fact, not only is it not being taught. Contrary to this is being taught. You are being told things contrary to this. That you have to follow the Ten Commandments to be saved. No, you don't. No, you don't. We are under the law of love. The law of love. Some things that God said to the children of Israel, people have adopted those sayings in their church. Not even talking to you. We're not children of Israel. We are not Jews. We are under a better covenant, my people. Now let's go to uh, chapter eight, mm, verse one. Now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest talking about Jesus who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Verse two, and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. The true tabernacle is not built by the hands of human beings. We can go and, and, um, assemble in, in, in a designated building, but God ain't there until we come there. Meaning we can gather in our houses and God can be there right there in the midst. He can be right in the midst. 
You don't have to go to a designated building and that's called a church, quote unquote, today, because that's not where God is. God is in us. That seal of the Holy Spirit is in us. Okay, and that's what this is talking about. Verse three, every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer that this one is Jesus. Verse four, if he were on earth, if he were on earth, that tells you they're talking about Jesus because Jesus is no longer on earth. Where is he? He is sitting at the right hand of God. That's where he is. He would not be a priest for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. That's now this is not talking about current. Okay, what they're talking about is the priests who were under the law, the Levitical priesthood. They had already offered gifts. Okay, meaning the animal sacrifices, because we already covered in episode one, verses one through four, that the priests went into the uh, the temple and, and, and behind the veil and offered those sacrifices. They no longer do that. And we already covered that. Um, I think it's in chapter four, either uh, chapter three that there are no more sacrifices uh, for your sins other than Christ. And the priest can't offer Christ again. Christ died once and for all. Once and for all. Um, who offer gifts prescribed by the law. And we are no longer, we, well, even the Jews are no longer under the law, but they still practicing it, trying to establish righteousness under the law. Uh, God bless them. God bless them. Uh, verse five, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. Uh, this is why Moses was warned. Okay. When he was about to build the tabernacle. Uh, this, this is the warning that uh, Moses received. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown, shown you on the mountain. Because see, Jesus is the tabernacle. Whew, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse six. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises, Jesus, the, the covenant made under the blood of Jesus. Okay. is superior to the one that was given to Moses for the children of Israel under better, better promises. We just read it. This is in your Bible. Been there for over 2000 years. This is not new. Verse seven. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another one. Oh, y'all missed that one. Y'all missed that one. Listen again. Verse seven. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another one. Hallelujah. That first covenant wasn't perfect and couldn't save nobody. They couldn't keep it. Remember Peter, the apostle Peter said, we couldn't keep the laws or that covenant and our fathers couldn't keep it. So why are y'all trying to force that, the covenant of Moses onto the Gentiles? We couldn't keep it and our fathers couldn't keep it. Peter makes that statement in the book of Romans, the letter that Paul wrote to Romans. Okay, verse eight. But God found fault with the people and said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. Hallelujah. Verse nine, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. 
Now, if it if I'm not mistaken, did this just not, uh, you know, just say it will not be like it didn't say it will be like he said it will not be like this is God talking. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. And when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, talking about the children of Israel, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. Remember, Peter said we couldn't keep it and our fathers couldn't keep it. Here, go right here. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. Verse 10. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds. And write them on their hearts. He's not talking about the, the entire laws of Moses because it's 613 of them. He's talking about the law of love. And, and in case y'all don't notice, some of you may. What this is talking about here is that the entire laws, because Jesus fulfilled the laws, okay? Jesus fulfilled every law of Moses until he died. He kept them so we wouldn't have to. Jesus kept the laws of Moses so that we wouldn't have to. He filled it with love. See, what Christ did on that cross was love, okay? The law was fulfilled by love. So when God says here that, um, this is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. And after that time, meaning after the death of Christ, um, I will put my laws in their minds, renewing our minds with the word of God, which is love and write them on their hearts. Meaning putting that seal, the seal of God, the Holy Spirit on our hearts. I will be I will be their God and they will be my people. OK, verse 11, no longer will they teach their neighbor talking about the, the children of Israel or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Verse 12, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. The blood of animals couldn't do that. The blood of Jesus is what causes God not to remember our sins no more. The blood of goats couldn't do it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Verse 13, by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. Now, I, we can close up shop right here. Did you hear what I just said? Verse 13 in chapter eight. By calling this covenant new, what covenant? The new blood bought covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. It disappeared when Christ died on the cross. Remember when Jesus said it is finished? He was talking about the Mosaic law is finished. See, a lot of people have been uh, mis misunderstanding the, what Jesus said. But Jesus fulfilled the laws of Moses when he died on that cross. He said it is finished. Oh, that's it. The new covenant was ushered in. Now, sisters and brothers, we have completed chapters five through eight. We will resume and complete this three part series on next Saturday. Now, before we go, I want to uh, encourage you guys to make sure you stay with Jesus. And you need to rethink where you worship, because I want to tell you this. You cannot worship outside of the promises of God, outside of the new covenant for your entire life and think you will spend eternity with Jesus. 
Now, only a fool would think that. That's common sense. Uh, God's salvation plan is surrounded by what Jesus did on that cross. On, not with a T on the end. That's what it sounds like to me. On that cross. That's where God's promise is. The repentance of your sins. Okay. The blood of Jesus washes all sins away. The blood of animals covered the sins for the children of Israel and for the Levitical priesthood. Who brought the animal sacrifices to the altar. It covered it for a year. But the blood of Jesus washes our sins away where they are remembered no more by the almighty God. This is not a license to sin. This is a license to love. Okay. Because people in the Old Testament didn't love. They didn't have the capability to love. God had to put something tangible for them to do temporarily because he wasn't going to go outside of his plan, his salvation plan. He had to put something there. So that some of his children could be saved. Okay. We have our heroes of faith. Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. Moses. Okay. They are heroes of faith because they believed God. The children of Israel. Let me tell you something. When God sent Moses to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. They were excited. But here's the thing. They didn't want to participate in the journey to the new land that God had chosen for them. Some of them wanted to go back and be placed in and under Egyptian slavery. Some of them wanted to do that. And they began to rebel against God. And what I'm telling you here is, don't you do it. Stick with Jesus. Stick with Jesus. It's going to get better. Now, what I wanted to mention... um. And, and just uh, talk about just for a few seconds uh, is what I talked about at the beginning of this episode. I had listened to one of my brothers in Christ, a bishop, and he's very strong. He uh, teaches the word with boldness, just like me. And he broke down today teaching about joy will come in the morning. It may be darkness right now, but joy is coming in the morning. And he broke down because of what's going on in this world today. The mistreatment of people of color. The injustices that is just upon people of color. Um, he, he, he said that wasn't in his plans. It just happened because he, he, he loved people in general. And he's black and he hate to see his people treated like that. And so what I want to tell you about what we see going on today, there is hate on both sides. Uh, on law enforcement, they have forsaken the law and God is not on their side. I'm telling you, God is not on their side. They have forsaken the law and is violating the rights of people. The people on the other side are breaking the law. So both sides are breaking the law. There is no love there. No one want to, wants to bend and come together and discuss to resolve this issue. That's not going to happen. Let me tell you why. Because Satan is at the helm. Satan is the God of this world. That's not my words. That's the word of Jesus. Jesus says that I must leave because the God of this world is coming and he has no place in me. None. Talking about Jesus. And uh, in another version, the ruler of this world is coming. The prince of this world of coming is coming. And Satan is also known as the prince of darkness. 
That's who is controlling this world, not just the United States, the entire world, which is why we see all of this chaos. And we have one word that is the answer to everything we see going on in this world today. And his name is Jesus. He is still saving lives. Jesus Christ is the answer to the chaos and the hate that we are seeing. And I'm here to tell you, y'all think this pandemic came out of nowhere and shut down this whole world temporarily? Wait until you see what's coming. Oh, something worse is coming. But those who are in Christ will be protected from it. So, uh, sisters and brothers, I hope you got something from this. We will close out this series next Saturday. Uh, we have 13 chapters. So, we have 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13. We will read five chapters next week to close this out. And until next time, if you are out in public, please continue to social distance. Wear your mask, okay? So, social distancing is between six and eight feet away. We don't know these people, but we have to go out in public to shop. We need to eat. We need to drink food. You know, those need to go and pick up, uh, you know, all the necessities they need. So what I'm saying to you is this pandemic is real. Hundreds of thousands of people have died from it already. Millions are infected as we speak. So what I want you to understand is that God will protect you, but you cannot be foolish. You cannot walk around saying, I'm a Christian. God is going to protect me. No, that's why we have masks to put on social distance. And if you do your part, God will do his part. So until we meet next week, peace out. All right. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please send your questions to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message by clicking on the message button located on my podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public and submit your remarks. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing all my podcasts and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated. I am praying for God to give you a return on your seed. Praise God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, as it relates to sowing a seed, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Hallelujah. Now, God will give you a return on your seed as long as you sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. The key is having a cheerful heart. Now, until next time, brothers and sisters, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.